Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everyone? Are you excited? Are you feeling very nervous? Are you wondering if we'll get into some content here that might just change your life forever? Because <laughs> we are. We're going to get into some stuff here like we do every week. That uh, if you are supporting yourself, if you are supporting your family, putting bread on the table, so to speak, doing something independently, doing something on your own, then you know that there are so many things involved in entrepreneurship that uh, just kind of aren't necessarily that necessary when you're out in, uh, you know, workspace filing I you know IPTPS reports uh, <laughs> I need you to work on Sunday that kind of stuff right uh, not to not to discredit any of our friends who have the day jobs I know there's a lot of great day jobs out there and, and honestly you guys there probably is some company out there that you would like you'd be great to work for and that they're great the higher you know and we wish you all the best good luck finding great jobs and getting getting paid to do something that you actually care about that's the real trick and what we're focused on here at this podcast, The Fizzle Show, is the, is the ways in which we can either fizzle out completely. How many, how many bones are in your creative graveyard, right? How many project, what, what do they call that one? Cadavers. How many carcasses? How many carcasses that's what I was looking for. Are, are underground or just like exposed on the planes of your of the history of your creative endeavors, right? Uh, yeah, I see that hand. Me too, right? I've got a bunch of them. How many things have I started and not finished? How many things was I excited about and then didn't actually bring to fruition? I let it just fizzle out. Whether or not I actually decided not to do it, is not even the question. The question is, how do we actually finish things? And then, <laughs> how do we get those finished things to actually be successful? <laughs> maybe, maybe better question is, how do we make things that are likely to succeed and then actually finish those likely to succeed things? Okay, that's what we're getting into today because we're talking about a specific place on the roadmap, which we call planning. Okay, if you haven't been listening uh, to the last few episodes, we've been going through what we have identified over the last several years here at Fizzle. We call it the roadmap. All right, think of it like a playlist of courses. There's a handful of things you really, really, really need to know, and you need to know them in a certain order. Okay. Finding the right thing at the right time, making the right plan, the right decision at the right time, instead of just like gobbling up all this information and then you're bloated with information and you don't even know where to start. This is what the Fizzle Roadmap is for. And you can check out a uh, an, uh, special offer that we have going on right now. When is the story on the the jump start, Aiden? Here's Aiden Fishbein. Oh, good day, fine people, as always. Um, yes. The details on the jumpstart, I believe, um, this is the last, listening to this now, is the last chance to actually get involved in the jumpstart. The doors close on the 30th of June, and uh, if my math is correct, we will be close to that by the time this airs in the future. So uh, nice. Future Fishbine is uh, is letting you know that you can get a, <laughs> a, a full year of Fizzle membership, a one-on-one -on -one planning session so that we're going to get into you know that today one-on-one -on -one planning session and uh, and weekly email checkups for two months to hold your hand and make sure that you stay accountable because god knows i i'm the kind of guy that i am not great at keeping myself accountable but you just give me somebody or something on the outside and everything changes <laughs> so mm, totally and that uh, they get good. this at fizzle.co slash jumpstart correcto 
Okay, so fizzle.co slash jumpstart. For, we're doing a, a little bit of a discount, a little bit of offering some extra stuff. It's a good time to get in. And no matter when you get into fizzle, though, if you want to try it, the roadmap is there. And it's waiting to guide you through every step of getting your business up and running successfully. Now, one of these important steps is planning. How do we plan? Here is a question I think that is fascinating. And to start us off on the show, I just want to like, you know, we've got we've got Joe Kern's Bobby Biceps over here. I always try to put Joe in like this meathead box up front for people so Every that then time. when he starts talking, they like they're like, wait a minute, this gentleman is actually quite sophisticated and intelligent. That's right. That's right. I'm setting you up, bro. Um, the 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 thing is, you have this great mind around um around a systemic or a systematic approach to accomplishing things around mental toughness around i'm curious like if you were at a ten thousand foot view say that you're talking to an alien okay sure. someone an alien like you but you can talk to them just like you're talking here and they've never heard this word planning they don't really know what the concept is because they see all of all of time as a flat circle or whatever. I don't know. Um, but what would you say to someone who doesn't even doesn't even grok the term planning? Hasn't even heard of it before. What is? What are we doing? What is the human being doing? What is the mind? What is the emotion? What what are like the the what are the what are we doing when we're planning? Yeah, to me, planning, it's almost counterintuitive because I think a lot of people look at planning as figuring out what to do. And I look at it almost the opposite, like what not to do, because we can fill our plates with all kinds of stuff that all sound productive and that fit in that kind of like procrast learning pseudo productivity box of just like movement without progress. And to me, when you're kind of getting started right off the bat, it's about saying, okay, there's a million different paths I could take. And there's a million things I could do, all of which may or may not deliver results. But it's about really whittling it down saying, okay, but what are the right things to do? And what's the right order? Because as we'll kind of talk about doing the right thing at the wrong time makes it the wrong thing. And just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do it. You know, we see that all the Mm. time, people starting out. It's like, okay, I hear about a funnel. That sounds like something I need. So now I'm going to go read all about building funnels and setting up landing pages and doing all this. And it's like, okay, now who do you serve? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you might want to start with that part first. So you will Mm. need to get to the other steps later. But how do you actually get a clear enough view like that kind of, you know, 10,000 foot view on, okay, roughly where am I going? What are the paths available? And then where am I starting? You know, like where's, mm. where's base camp at the mountain and then planning those little trips up. So that's kind of generally how I look at it. Yeah. I think that's really, what were you going to say, Aiden? I was just, I mean, you just, you kind of split me open, Joe. I think it's like the right <laughs> things in the right order in the right quantity. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any, any uh, departure from any one of those things, and and it kind of just turns it into the wrong thing in totality. Mm-hmm. So you said what again? The right things in the right order, in the right in, amount, in the right amount. And then Joe, you said, where am I going? What are the paths available? And where am I starting? And one of the things I really like in that. Okay, first of all, let's let's blow this whole thing up. 
Okay. There are mistakes that people make when they're planning things, right? There are consequences. There are stakes here, dear listener. You have a business you want to make, and you're planning in your journal and your writing and your <laughs> my friends use. I <laughs> I have an old song that I like. I read. I made a, a, a an album when I graduated from college. I went up to a cabin in the woods and I recorded an album. And the first line of the first song on that. On that damn album, and this is so embarrassing to me, <laughs> but it was like, I was, I was looking through my old journals. <laughs> that's, first of all, that's the embarrassing part. But that's the line? Gets, that's the lyric? It, yeah, just, I was looking through my old journals. It's like, what are, like... Thank you, Chase. Like, next, right? But my friend started calling it my VUD journal for some reason. journal? <laughs> my oh, journal. They were just getting me my VUD journal. And that is that. <laughs> I bring that up because how many times have I, pl- have I planned projects in my little VUD journal? And they've just been, been, hopefully that's not offensive to some people out there. I'll stop saying it now. But, but it was, it, it's, it's like there's this thing where we can get really precious about our planning. Mm-hmm. Right. Where we can get really precious about our, you know, it's the same thing as that Tommy boy thing where he's like, I get my, my pet it and I <laughs> love it and I rub it all, and then you like destroy it. You know, it's yep. it, we don't. The question is or 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 big George in the uh, like the John Steinbeck, but like I want to pet the rabbit, George, like I want to mm-hmm. pet the rabbit. Right. It's like this. We love this rabbit, this project that we, we love it. And oftentimes we can just be so ham fisted. That there's just there's just a pile of dead rabbits, right? <laughs> and we can destroy you know? it in a in a thousand different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all very grotesque. What I really want to get at <laughs> is just this sense of we can make mistakes. Okay, we can actually make errors in planning, and there are actual consequences to that. Now, the good news about this is you don't have to be a professional planner. You don't have to be really really good. It's more akin to what Joe was saying. It's like. You can plan what to do, but sometimes it's just as important to plan what not to do, to know where the like eddies and the cesspools are that collect those boats that that like if there's a river uh, that is called entrepreneurship and there's a bunch of little dinghies and boats and people are going down and they're with their beers and coolers and <laughs> do you know what I mean? it's like a river day. Right. And then. uh you find that there's a lot of places that like the the river can kind of like suck people up over there and they stay they stay over there in that little circular spot for a while they don't yeah. even know maybe they don't even know that they're not moving down the river yeah. right mm-hmm. maybe they don't know that they're not actually heading closer to their goal they're just kind of faffing about with a bunch of other entrepreneurs somewhere right, right? or they're you know, stuck uh, because they forgot to bring a paddle yeah they didn't go. plan right. on the paddle they didn't plan on the paddle what were you going to say joe yeah, one thing that comes to mind with that and that I really want to kind of reinforce the importance of this conversation we're having today is that good intentions do not mediate against falling into those little eddies like you talked about and just kind of like churning around. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many people come into this thinking if they're just like pure of heart and pure of spirit and they're like, I'm coming in here, I'm going to do mm. the right thing. I'm just going to serve people and I'm going to work hard and dedicate myself to it that I'm not going to fall into these sticking points. Right. And that is maybe one of the biggest traps there is. Yeah. Because and this isn't meant to sound, you know, discouraging or anything, but businesses aren't built just out of, you know, justice because you work so hard and you deserve it. You still have to do the right things. And so it is still part of your responsibility to be able to figure out how to do it the right way. 
and the beauty is, is when you do figure out how to do it the right way and you plan uh, appropriately and you don't get caught up in that, like, you know, hashtag feels good, man, side of things where you're just like, no, 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 I'm going to do the right thing. It feels good. It actually yeah. frees you up to focus on yeah. doing the stuff you care about. It's kind of paradoxical, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you see people kind of get stuck in that, um, that, that almost like moral or ethical side of just like by doing what's right, I'm guaranteed yeah. to succeed. Or by it's following like, my passion. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I am pure hearted about this. So the things will go my way. And I, I, I call that the law of the jungle fallacy, right? Because you, you listen, like the people who we learned this whole pure hearted thing from are like our indigenous cultures, these very kind of like spiritual cultures in the Amazon, uh, indigenous native Americans, uh, aboriginals. And if you go actually spend time there, there's a much more to the, to the conversation than that. Like they teach their kids about Jaguars. Why? Cause there's Jaguars <laughs> in the jungle. Right. Right. right exactly. <laughs> there are snakes in the jungle. Like they know about them. Right. That's part of why they're so conscientious aware when they're walking through. Right. It's, so it's not this, like this, this I'm following my heart. And so I can do no wrong. First of all, hats off to you to because for a lot of people just to make that step is like to admit that you you like dancing in tutus right it's just like i i every thursday when i get home from work i <laughs> i put on my tutu and i dance it's like nobody runs around just talking about that same similarly with like i'm gonna be a blogger <laughs> i am going to be a successful internet person right what are you good at i am good at making a website right now and i will learn other things over time right it's a it's a challenging um balance because it takes a lot of uh of of chutzpah and courage and bravery just to step out of the stream of everyone around you, your family, that crappy uncle Terry that now you got to talk to at mm. Christmas time. Who's going to be, Hey, how's your blog going? You know, right. and probably like, you know, makes fun of you behind your back to his kids or something. Right. We all have people like this in our life. Potentially. I luckily have, have <laughs> been wean, weaning a lot of those. People. I didn't, I've never really had that many in, in my life. Right. But some people really feel like, it's hard to make that jump into even trying. So developing the, the level of courage to go like, well, you know what? If it's pure in my heart, I'm going to at least try mm-hmm. is one thing. To then say that, and now I am entitled to success is a completely other thing, right? right. That, I think, is, is a common mistake. Now, what happens if you plan things wrong in your business? A couple things. Number one, your business doesn't succeed. Number two, you hate your life. All right? Really, really consequential things right here. Because like we were talking about with the rivers, you wake up to the fact that you've been just like playing in the kiddie pool for a long time. And, uh, and there can be a lot of regret. There can be a lot of, uh, you know, of shame or whatever. But you can also feel like you've just missed your opportunity. Right. It's not it's like, why? Why try? Why try? And I feel like for a lot of us first time entrepreneurs, that's something that we face a lot that we could you might be able to you might be facing that like a few times before you actually have your success. Right. Like Liz Gilbert talks about sending her books off to 50 publishers. Seth Godin, same thing, getting no's from so many people before you get your yes. So that stick to itiveness Mm -hmm. is something that's going to come in handy here. But. At the same time, you only have so much stick to itiveness. Mm-hmm. Do not think that you can crack the whip on yourself and make you do whatever you want because you uh, have never liked being treated that way, ever. 
Nowhere in the history of our species have we, have we really uh, enjoyed it. We burn out on that. We burn out on that. And this is why this conversation about planning is so important, because here's the deal for you. You have a finite amount of energy, and you have things that need doing. <laughs> Each thing that needs doing requires a certain amount of energy. Every day you have, you know, let's think about it like shot glasses. You have, you have 10 12, energy. <laughs> yeah, you have 10 energy or something, right? And it's like you can pour that shot glass into, think about it like this. Yeah, you've got, uh, you know, hours in the day. Let's say you have, you have eight hours to work. You have eight shot glasses, right? And then you have three big cups or four or 20 big cups. Each of those represents your project. When that project, when that cup is filled up with water, then you've, then you, that project is done, right? But all you can fill it with are these little shot glasses and that's one hour, like, you know, at a time, right? So where you put your, your energy and your effort, that's where you're going to make that impact. Now you can put like a little bit in this one, a little bit of that one, a little bit, and it can take, you know, 15 years to finish any of these things, right? You can focus all on one and be totally focused and get this one out the door because you know, published is better than perfect, as we've said before. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that is another path. And, and there's consequences to both of those, right? So what you're going to find in planning is that you are actually in the seat of power when it comes to uh, when, how, and why you're pursuing these projects. And I think when things really get serious, it's when you look at, um, it's when you look at when you want people, when and how you want people to engage with your thing, right? So I want to make a course, like right now I'm playing around with the idea of making like a life course, just like a simple like $25 course. And it's like basically an hour of stand-up comedy about life, right? It's just, it's like, let's, let's just, <laughs> I don't know. I think it might be a stupid idea, but I can't, but I would love to in every video go like, if you haven't gotten a life course, like you, you can spend $22 on worse things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Like I'd love to do that in every video. Um, and, but the, the, the thing about that is, okay, am I going to plan for the way it makes me feel to have finished that? Or am I going to plan for, uh, for, I don't know. Think about this. There's a lot of things you can plan for there. Now, immediately, for me, I have to admit, as the tutu dancing creative, really, you know, hopeful that more people will pay attention to me because for some reason my mom didn't hug me enough or something, right? It's, this, it's a performance sort of thing for me. I, I immediately go to planning the performance. Will I have the content? Will I have the, you know, and I go to that. That is not the end of this project. Having good content is like painting a good painting is not your goal as an artist. I don't believe. I think your goal, if you're going to be a capital A artist, is I want that work to be interacted with. My commitment is actually to the thing that work does in other people, right? So that's what we're planning. Do you see the distinction, the difference between, oh, I have to plan what's in my course and I have to, that versus, I'm going to plan how my course is going when and how my for, my course is going to affect people, right? This is what in the coaching world we call like, what are you committed to cause? Mm-hmm. And I think that little, just so you know, that little trick right there, that can, if you like rewind that for, for like the last 45 seconds or whatever, and just write that down and find out what are you committed for your work to cause in people. I'm not just committed to making a great painting. I am committed to that. But I'm also committed to that painting having an impact 
in people. I'm committed to the effect that painting has on other people. Yeah. Right. That now we can you can put a deadline on that effect. And now all of a sudden I know, well, first of all, I've got the sales page. Then I got to get them to the sales page. Then once they're at the sales page, I got to like I got to convince them to spend. So like, what's the price that I'm looking at? And now, because I'm thinking about the price point that I'm looking at, that's going to affect what's content going to go into this. Right. If I'm making a $20 course, instead of, <laughs> instead of like trying to make my magnum opus, do you see how the plan is completely determined by this thing that, that Joe said in the beginning, where are you going? Where you think you are going makes a huge difference. And don't kid yourself. I mean, you could come up with, you could write like a bunch of different things that you think, places you think you're going to, right? Having my first course, uh, selling 10 copies of my first course, right? Uh, Like having three courses by the end of 2022, right? right? You could have a lot of these. These are almost like goals, but goals are things, projects that we plan, that we get to intentionally take one step after the other in the same direction, right? This is yeah. big stuff. What are you going to say, Aiden? And speak, yeah, just speaking of that direction, um, I think you did kind of just basically summarize essentially the, the stage that we're in, right? So in mm. the Fizzle Roadmap, in the planning stage, it's comprised of a couple things, right? And we won't get all the way into these things, but you can try them out for free in, in a trial. Uh, but, but we'll detail ex- essentially the, the architecture of them, right? So the very first thing you do is determine what problem you're solving, right? And you do that via having customer conversations, having talks with people that have these problems or don't have the problems. And like Chase was saying with the artist analogy, um, what is the interaction that you're hoping to create? Or what is the goal of the thing that you're trying to create? And, um, And that's a very fundamental thing to kind of figure out. You want to figure out that if there is a problem that's worth solving, um, that's when the money dots connect, right? And then when you start having these money dots connect, you can make an, a minimum viable income projection to figure out exactly how much problem you need to solve to support yourself. Um, and then once you do that, you figure out, okay, well, what kind of structure should I wrap this whole thing in? Is there an archetype, a business category that I could put myself in? Is this more of a teacher thing? Is this more of a uh, of kind of like a curator thing? Am I actually making a product? All of those kinds of things um, are, I think, I'd like to, to consider these some of those buckets, right? If I'm pouring mm-hmm. stuff into those buckets, that's those are the right things, and those are the fundamental things. You can plan a lot more. But you might be borrowing from energy you shouldn't be borrowing from that would that would shorten your runway. Um, so I think that's a really, really important thing is some of these things are very fundamental. Defining that problem is one of the right things, in my opinion. Um, doing that early on is part of the order of those things. And then making sure that you don't obsess and, and keep talking to more and more and more and more people and doing too much competitive analysis when you have your finger on a good pulse. And then going and starting because – you know, before this episode started, we were talking about like, why, what are the things that people screw up when they try and make plans? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's usually that they do too much planning and they don't do enough action. And I'll speak for my own experience, but they do, I do, I plan and plan and plan and plan. I don't put one foot in front of the other or, or I, uh, there's what were you saying? Chase whimsy, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, right. I don't, Not, I don't make any plans and I just yeah. frolic forwards, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Totally. I love that. That, You know, go for it, Joe. Yeah. So with this here, as we start kind of nailing down these three kind of main topic areas, we're going to talk about, 
Um, what I think is beautiful about this is that when you have this kind of general framework to follow, it actually limits the number of questions that you have to answer. Because mm -hmm. what I've noticed myself is when I dive into any stage, I naturally lean towards that over planning and that perfectionist mindset of like, I have to have an answer for everything. And if I have an answer to everything, then I'm limiting my risk or I'm ensuring success. I'm doing the responsible thing. But what it ends up looking like is I'll, I'll take, you know, one question and then do you ever see those like visualizations they use for sometimes like showing the spread of an infection or just like something going viral, but it shows like <laughs> one person leads to two people, leads to four people, leads to, and then like, you know, yeah. three branches down, you're like a million people. That's yeah. what my mind does with questions, yeah. right? And yeah. so it'll find one little like microcosm of uncertainty in that first question and then have to dive into that and figure out, okay, well, well what and are all the things I don't know branches. about this? And then it just mm -hmm. branches and bra branches and it ends up being this like fractal of uncertainty. And the point is, is that every single branch that goes down that, uh, goes down that path is exponentially less critical than the initial question it stemmed from. Huh. And so if I just start with a good enough approach to that first question and I let myself release all of the other things that I don't know, yeah. I'm going to be able to move forward. And those other ones, like the little things you don't know, either just kind of get like swept away in the river as you go. And they're not as important as you thought, or guess what? When they finally rear their ugly heads, sometimes it's way easier to smash those down because you're 10 mm. steps further down the line. You know, I, is it like Reed Hoffman, I think that says like, there's always fires burning. You know, mm. like there's always going to be things going wrong that you can't account for. But I'll tell you what, like from a resource perspective, from a momentum perspective, from a confidence perspective, once you've just been getting shit done, it doesn't end up being that hard to answer those little what ifs as they yeah. pop up because they will. You know, you'll never stop that. So start with just what is the essential framework of the things I need answered and what's good enough. And that's a lot of what we're getting into here is kind of the 80-20 minimum viable planning as we kind of discussed yeah. it a little uh -huh. bit. How much do I need to know to move on to the next step? Even if I know there's things I still don't know, that'll mm. just be part of it. Mm. That's okay, a hard I like thing this. to do. <laughs> yeah. So in, in case you haven't put this together yet, one of the, like Aiden talked about these two mistakes that are really, really common to be made in planning. One of them is no planning. <laughs> You're just like kind of undirected action whimsy is a one way to summarize that which is uh it's a hell of a fun way to get through life in the moment um and it's great if you look back and see like all of this amazing growth and and these projects got done and this revenue stream is like we whole new revenue streams created and audience growth and all the vitals that you want to be seeing in your business but a lot of the times for me and a lot and, and other creative entrepreneurs that I've talked with, that's not the way that we pursue it. It's just, it's not the no planning method. Now, one famous uh, example of this though, is Leo Babauta of Zen Habits. He's like, no, no goals. In fact, there's some old video on YouTube with him and Tim Ferriss debating about having goals versus not having goals. And, mm -hmm. and that's one that was like, really like I've, I've definitely, I go back and forth between yeah, this. I've been on both sides. Cause mm -hmm. when I define a plan too much in my head, I start uh, ignoring it. It starts to feel dead to me. That's when it's like, okay, cool. I should have somebody else doing this now. Right. It's no longer interesting for me. I already did the work on it that I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. It's a crazy thing that it loses that interest. So when you're talking, Joe, about thinking about just the first order questions and letting sort of the second order, the, the, the questions all the way down that decision branch, 
I loved your idea there that that every level of questions, every next level of questions exponentially unrelated to the to the starting place I am right now. Right. So just being at that first order couple questions and staying there is what I find is I got to say <laughs> there's there, there these two mistakes planning not enough and planning too much. Right. These are this is like this is what you're balancing between. And I think you, dear Fizzler, will find your own balance about this over time. Sure. And you will find uh, a lot of you may want to have a team in place at some point or maybe already do. Your team will need work to do. And so you'll find yourself planning things to give them work to do or, or helping them plan their own work to do or something like that. Once you have other people in your team, now it's a different, like you feel differently about plans because you want to be able to chart the course of how things are going. But when it's Mm -hmm. just you keeping all the plates in the air, I get very, very simplified. I have one Trello board. I like delete everything on that. That is not being worked on this week. Everything's gone except for what's this week, right? And even that gets stale over time. But every week, basically I come in, I, I, I just delete anything that I'm I'm not going to work on this week that happened to I collect things there throughout the week because I'm like, oh, yeah, when I have time, I will do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, like, no, delete, 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 delete. Right. There's fires always burning. There's fires always burning. Updating that page. I will want to get to that at some point. But we are thinking and this is, I think, one of the big the big lessons learned in experience over time as an entrepreneur is this sense of 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 juggling of being not even juggling there's okay let me actually make a distinction here there's juggling where it's too high stress right the more the more balls you add to juggling the more your brain is just is just crunching numbers man just watching the the loft of this ball as this one comes up you know seeing the spin of that club or whatever your brain is so good and we're constantly doing that so the stress levels the energy that it's taking to complete to keep those ta- it's actually it's actually taking a lot of energy from you because you're task switching. You're losing a lot of energy between tasks. There's all of this great research in uh, software development about the ways that, that when you focus on one task uninterrupted, you end up being so much more productive that it's like farmable. Like it's, it's right. vital that we set up our software developers in this company so that they are not being interrupted because the the cost of task switching or focus switching is really high when you look at it over. So this is the same thing for you, dear listener. And you are now a, a very proficient knowledge worker. If you are going to be running your email and a WordPress website and, uh, and your email list on ConvertKit and your, you know, log in at Fizzle to be able to, you know, check in with your progress report and take the Fizzle Fridays and your mastermind group and your Stripe setup and your Amazon affiliate thing or whatever it is. You've got a lot to actually, you're a pro. You're, you're moving into being a pro. And so I want to make the distinction between juggling, where you have a lot of stuff like that, and uh, this other thing, which my immediate thought was calling it like delegation, but it's not delegation. That's getting it out to someone else. I'm talking about in a situation where it's just you. There is this ability to kind of prioritize. Yeah. And I hate that word. I really hate that word. It's so Peter Drucker. It's so like buttoned up Nordstrom Rack shirt, 
right? It's so <laughs> like it's just right? being decisive, you know. Yeah, uh, and having Ooh. a good. I think I think what we're after right here is really it's it's kind of trying to achieve the best of both worlds. It's trying to be planning planned enough so that your your whimsy can survive, um, but not letting your whimsy get out of control and unbound, un, unbounded, you know? So mm. I like I like this idea, uh, and I, I agree with you. It's not a prioritization thing, but I think it's being in tune with your gut, too. Yeah, and I it think is priority, you, though. I mean, it's really it's it is, choosing, it like, what, what comes... So one, one way to think about it is priority, but I really like the way that you're like, it's prioritization is just being decisive. Yeah. It's being decisive. And something that's built into this is knowing what is doable, what should be done next, what has to happen first before, like what are the dependencies as we would call them in project management world. And this is where so many people get bogged down making tons of plans about things. They actually, they don't know yet. They don't know enough right? Yeah. Go. Where I really genuinely think a lot of people get stuck on this is they have their antenna kind of attuned to the wrong metric to decide if they're doing the right thing or not. Mm. Because so many people think that when they find that balance, it's going to feel right. Like it's going to feel easy. Everything's going to align. And like, yeah, I might be working hard, but it's just, it's going to click. It's all going to come together. And the truth is that most of us don't come pre-programmed with this perfect little metric to tell us when we are doing the right thing. That's why we kind of struggle so often is that keeping those plates spinning, like you said, trying to find that balance, it's not something that you can predict purely by whether or not it feels good to do. You're probably gonna have to recalibrate and learn that, man, sometimes what I need to do is uncomfortable and right. it doesn't click perfectly with my personality or it doesn't click with uh, with what feels like it's giving me energy. You know, it can mm. be a little draining or daunting to kind of figure out how to manage those things. So balance in general, I think we need to be careful by reading that purely as like a subjective emotional experience. Sure. Uh-huh. Balance is something that we can measure a little bit more objectively. Are you getting the results? Are you in, you know, in a, in a reasonable amount of time moving your business forward? Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing is like, if you are keeping all those plates spinning, but you're burning yourself out doing 18 hour days, guess what? I, I don't care what's happening in your business. That's not balance either. Yeah. So there's a lot of different metrics that we can that we can look at, and it's going to be different for every individual. You know, we decide mm. at the beginning. Uh, I think it, maybe it was in Atomic Habits, James Clear's book. I was reading this recently, if I can't remember, but it's the idea that when you're planning out a project, you need to set more clear and objective metrics from the beginning, so that way, when you're in it, like when you're stuck in it, you have to refer back to what the the clear headed version of yourself decided. It's clear headed. man even if i'm falsely giving him credit that pun was worth it so well done (laughs) i like this idea joe i almost want to coin like wpis versus kpis like wrong performance indicators you know um i like that i like that a lot so this this point about about defining clearly okay dear listener if you're paying attention we're talking about planning some of the mistakes in planning are you can plan too much and it actually bog you down and you might be planning things that you actually have no, <laughs> no right to be planning right now. Like you, you think you can plan that. Oh honey, you can't. <laughs> okay. Um, then that's a common mistake. <laughs> then the other plan, the other mistake in planning is not planning enough, going with whimsy and going with, uh, with, which I, which again, great work if you can find it. Um, the, the thing that we're kind of pulling these two things together on 
right now, or we're making the distinction. Like if those two are, 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 you know, if that's a spectrum and you're going to be somewhere on the spectrum between planning way too much and planning way, not enough. Okay. Um, the, the way that you can find what I'm interested in is how can, how can any individual out there find the right level of planning right now? And what I'm hearing you guys say is, first of all, there are metrics that you can use for, uh, for, so metric is anything you can measure. Okay. You can measure the number of comments on a blog post. You can measure the number, the amount of revenue that comes in. You can measure the, uh, the, the engagement you get on a tweet. Not all levels of measurement are, are created equal. Right. Right. This is back to this idea, this original, what are you committed to cause? What is the intention that you have behind this thing that you're making? And this is where the whole world of business is really this simple. Yeah. It's a two words, results oriented. If you don't like the way that the corporate behemoth has become in the United States, which I don't, uh, it's because of results orientation. Above that all there. else, right? Above yeah. all else. Now, you have something in you that is results oriented, potentially above all else. Let's just let's just say that that like that Pixar movie Inside Out. Remember where those oh, it's yeah. just it, where there's you have like each of the each of the emotion like joy is a person, sadness is a person, character mm-hmm. in there, <laughs> anger is is in there, you know, all of these things are in there, right? Uh-huh. As people. Well, one of them is like fiercely committed to the results. There's a part of you that knows you are you are a, a player in the game and you're committed to the results. And what those results really are, for me, I thought that I wanted to be the best in the world. Turns out I just wanted to feel secure with my family and be, you know, be being able to contribute to problems that I think are meaningful in the world and f- see some sort of longevity there. Now, I don't have to commit to this whole status thing the way that I, you know, I still like being invited to good cocktail parties, but it's not... It's it's like there, that world can can if I planned for that world, can you see how I would be doing things? It would it would affect the way that I was skew. working. Absolutely. It would skew things. Yep. So coming to terms with the fact that there is a result you were committed to. What is it? What is it? This project you're working on right now, it might just be your passion project, a hobby to spend the next year getting this blog up and getting your first 50 posts written or 25 Instagram posts or whatever. Like for so many of you out there, it's just that you are going to learn so much through this process that you're going to be in a completely different atmosphere to think about from two years from now what what you're going to want to do then. Mm -hmm. Your life will be completely different. Okay, so what is the result? that you're looking for. What is the intention? What is the goal? If you like that word, I like this more, uh, I don't know, result intention. What is it that, that, that thing in you that is committed to the results is actually committed to. And it might be confused because it's ragey because it doesn't get listened to very often because <laughs> Netflix and sweatpants, you know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> but because for me, cereal, <laughs> but, yeah. but the, the idea here that I think is I think it's really important. I don't know, Aiden. What are you hearing me say? Like, what is important in this idea? Ooh. Well, um, I think you're just. I mean, this is this is it. And there's. I think I want to make two distinctions, or one distinction between two things, if you will. Mm. Um, and that is, you can have a goal, you can have a dream, and you can plan for that. But when we're talking about a business, we need to be solving a problem. And we need mm-hmm. to be solving a problem meaningfully for a group of people that value it enough to pay us, 
right? Yep. And if we can get that to align with our goal, then all the other questions answer themselves. This is my experience. This is my theory. Um, so when we're talking about just simple economics, you've got a bunch of people that need something. And if you can ascertain that need in a way that aligns with your lifestyle goals, like that is the holy grail. So mm. what we talk about and, and OK, and here's the thing. Um, there's a wrong way to do this, too. There's a, a presumptuous scratching of your own itch that can sometimes lead you down the wrong path. But the scratching your own itch approach is very, very good if you add to that a validation technique. So the customer conversations thing, I'll just mention it again, but figuring out where these people are and talking to these people in a way that you can validate if that problem exists mm. is the best place to start in the entire yes. world, in my opinion, because it needs that to will be, answer. It needs to be yeah. said. Yeah. It really yeah. needs to be said. It'll answer. It'll answer the questions like. How much can they pay? What kind of product do they want? What kind of way do they want that delivered? How do they want to be talked to? Um, you All know, things that are that are scale? totally yeah. unknown in your head right now. And, totally, and then you're just the making things, things up. Right. And mm -hmm. these are also the things that if you don't do this, you'll find yourself planning. You'll find yourself planning the monthly uh, subscription cost before you've talked to anybody. You don't know what that is, Right. Yeah. You don't know anything about that. You don't know whether or not these people need to be educated if they want a problem that's bundled in a, in a beautiful package, if that's what they want to purchase, um, if it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, if it's a if it's an afar, highly scalable, very duplicatable info product thing. There's a thousand different ways that you could do this that you will start planning for, in my opinion, inappropriately, if you mm. haven't first ascertained what the problem that you're trying to solve is and if it's worth solving um, in a way that that could afford your lifestyle, whatever that is. And that could be very different from from uh, me to Chase to Joe to anybody else that's listening. Um, but figuring out that problem and aligning it with, you know, your lifestyle goals uh, feels to me like the very first thing you ought to do. Yeah. And I, I I'm what I'm hearing us say uh, again and again is getting down to specifics, down to specifics. What is it specifically that we're planning? What is it specifically that we're planning? Because, dear listener, it might be like I'm starting a business. I, I OK, don't say I'm going to plan my business. Let's get let's let's chunk that down. What is mm -hmm. the business? Is the business on a particular URL? Is it mostly just a website? Is it a website and social media channels? If so, what social media channels? Right. Right. This is this is all very specific, very specific, very specific. And then when you know, it's like, all right, well, there's there's Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter that I want to do, as well as the website, as well as a course on Teachable. Okay, here's the deal. That's a that's awesome, and we could probably get to that <laughs> over time, right? Some of these are going to be just like you're farting out content and like, what's the value of even doing that? But who knows? Maybe that's valuable. You put a plug in on WordPress and it automatically tweets anything that you publish. Sensational. Now you don't have, now there's your Twitter <laughs> strategy or whatever, <laughs> right? Instagram is a place where there's lots of people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of engagement that can happen on Instagram. That's, that's maybe what I'd be doing today instead of blogging. I wouldn't even, it would just be on Instagram, right? It's because there's so many people there. Well, there's a real strategy there. There's something to develop there. Okay, let's chunk that down. What makes a good Instagram strategy? What is the good Insta Instagram strategy for me? Do you see how different this is from I'm going to plan my business, mm -hmm. right? Or, hey, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to go to the coffee shop and plan my business this afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to I got really gonna figure out what's next for me. I got a spreadsheet I'm going to work on, so I'm going to do that. Like, I love that energy. I love that, that ability to, like, 
to take your life, the reins of your own life and go like, dude, I what like nobody else is going to do it for me because nobody mm-hmm. is going to do it. I just love that. I, nobody's going to do this for you. Right. For most of us. So you can't. I just watched. Gosh, darn it, guys. This, this Netflix documentary called uh, The Black Godfather. It was about this. It's about this dude who's just been behind like every killer all these, all this killer stuff in Hollywood. All this, all these amazing stars. All of these singers and bands. All of these actors and movies and and sponsorships. This guy's touched so many uh, careers in life, and he just did it. It's fascinating. It's called the Black Godfather. Go check it out. I bring it up because this guy is just like, dude. Nobody's gonna do it for you. Nobody's gonna do it for you. Stop bitching. Nobody's gonna do it for you. That's what I did. I just started out going on doing it. Right. And it was hard and it was hard (laughs) and I did it. Right. I love that energy of taking life into your own hands, of of getting getting uh, engaged with yourself, of saying, I want to do a creative project. I want to take my uh, have some more financial freedom. Okay, let's start that project. Let's get very specific about what we're doing. Well, I think I'm going to do a website. Really? Are we sure on that? Are you sure? What, What do you do you see what eventually happens is we come back to our why. You will define a why you're doing this thing, and then you will define a what that thing actually needs to be in the world, what, what the containers or boxes in the world are that that thing lives in. Because, And if I could just encourage you to see your business more energetically, to see that there are people who are hungry for, for like very specific things, and they are either finding that thing and it's not satisfying them, or they're looking for it and they're not finding it. That's where you want to be. And then your business is actually feeding them. It's a kind of service. Your business is energetically kind of having things for them to feed on, right? That's bigger than any website, any box on a computer screen, any anything that you could put into an Instagram post, right? It's, a, it's like a life. It's like a whole thing. And what, what my friend Aiden over here is saying is that when you land that on a real problem where real people are actually looking for real solutions and you can hear from the horse's mouth exactly what it's looking for, that changes the whole game. And this is where the customer conversations course is in Fizzle. It's right here in the, like, this is where this we is want stage, you to yeah. take it, mm-hmm. right? This is where we want you to start to lit to not start having to have these conversations. There's a handful <laughs> we want you to have, right? And we give you a whole like worksheet on how to do it. We get you completely set up. Steph's course on this is so killer and it is inside Fizzle. You can you can try out Fizzle stuff all for free at fizzle.co slash try five. And as Aiden mentioned, we do have the jumpstart special going right now. If you're listening to this live, like it's like we're right there at the edge for you to get this where you're getting a discount and you're getting like all this, like you're getting upgraded stuff. Like someone's going to look at your website. Someone's going to coach you a little bit. You're going to get some. So fizzle.co slash jumpstart. If you're listening to this live, 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 right? If you're listening to this in the future, you know, maybe it's a little late for that, but you can always try (laughs) fizzle.co slash try five as a listener of the show. That's where we give you five weeks free. Uh, no questions asked, and you can get into that customer conversations course. Because I think it's really, to me, this is actually a really important point that we're talking about about planning. And the main thing that I want you to take away from this is to is to have this very specific kind of conversation with your customer that's going to tell you exactly what to plan. Okay, why, why, 
Why? Because you don't know what to plan. <laughs> would you like what if? What if you didn't have to be the expert just from the guts like right now? What if there are other people who have done this a bunch of times before and they could tell you exactly how like how to go about this in a smart way so you don't waste a bunch of time? And what if those people are us right here right now and the first thing that we're telling you to do is talk to potential customers, ask them these very specific questions and get a sense of what what really hard and fast and specific it is you're talking about creating for people because that you can plan but your business in quotes and like wavy like waves my hands in the air my business my business who knows what that is man you don't even know what that is you don't even know what that is your your audience knows what that is and they're waiting for you to ask them about it right that's a that's a strong you know spoonful of medicine for some of you but i hope some of you listen to it because it it can be the difference between this taking 10 years and this taking 10 months well, you know you chase know. what i see with people a lot of times too is there's like just an, a complete irony in this where people are terrified to actually go out and have these conversations and i think it's because they expect that it's going to like ruin their confidence or that it's going to be like a painful conversation. Yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you 99% of the time, anytime yeah. somebody goes out and does this, they come back re-energized and excited. Even if the and calls didn't go the way the they expected. Oh, you see it all the time. People go in and it's not that you're just going to have some, you know, complete validation of your original idea, but the excitement comes from the fact that now you have real answers. I've seen people go into these conversations and they, they were totally attached to their idea, which is, of course, something we kind of caution you against. But they went in thinking like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Everybody's yeah. going to tell me how awesome this is. And then they actually hear, no, that's not at all what people wanted. But it didn't crush them because they realized like, wow, I totally came into this with the wrong idea. There's this mm. other thing that yeah. they actually really want help with. And you know what? I can actually help them with that. And now yeah. I just got validation that there's a bigger pain point, sometimes something that was right over their head. Because how yeah. often do we come into something with that, you know, the curse of knowledge where you're so <laughs> close to a topic that you don't actually realize the problem that people are really having. And so yeah. you over design, you over plan, you do this whole thing to create this crazy, robust, complicated, beautiful solution that you think is going to just perfectly fit into the market. And really people are like, no, nah, I just need somebody to be there for me. You yeah. know, it's just like this simple, simple human solution. And sometimes we go in overlooking the simplicity that is really embedded within the problem that we're trying to solve. And that's where it comes in. You know, we've talked so much about this commitment to the goal or this commitment to the outcome. And I really caution against that because so many times people attach the goal as like the, the manifestation of that idea. And mm. I think we hold our ideas way too close. It shouldn't mm. be about the idea. It's, is there a problem you're committed to solve or is there a group of people you're committed to serving? Those are the only two things that matter because then the path can be as flexible and adaptable as it needs to be. You, everybody's probably heard of pivots or, you know, you have to iterate the whole build, measure, learn kind of thing where like you're constantly yeah. learning and you're changing and you're adapting. And that's just dialing it in, getting more and more narrow every time you go. So when we kind of go in with the, the expectation that I'm not here because I want to just see this nice, beautiful little idea I have go out and become this, you know, glorious, successful business is no, no, I'm committed to making this change. Chase yeah. earlier, I think you said, what is it? What is, what am I committing to cause? Yeah. Right. There's a lot yeah. of ways that we can think about that, but it's so funny how, when that is the clarity that you have, 
you can release needing to know what's going to happen three steps from now because you'll just find the answer. Everything becomes that much more clear. It's like putting boundaries within the integrity of, of what you're pursuing saying, no, 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 this is, this is the, the range within which I'm willing to, to pivot. And if it pivots too far away from this group of people I'm serving, or if it pivots too far away from this problem that I'm passionate about, or that I know I can solve, then that's a distraction. I'm not going to yeah. go down that road. Yeah. And it's funny how much freedom comes from limitation. We mm. think it's the opposite, but uh, you guys, have you heard of the paradox of choice? Is it Barry no. Schwartz? I can't remember, but, uh, the idea being that we think we want more options until you walk down the toothpaste aisle and you're like, why in the hell are there like 200 different toothpastes? And what, what is the difference between spearmint and, and cool mint or like, who cares? <laughs> totally. So we need to have uh, a range within which we're willing to work. And there's so much freedom. There's so much creativity. Look at MacGyver. You know, I mean, you didn't give him a, a million tools to work with. It's like, here's the two things you have. It's like, like a, a Q-tip <laughs> yeah, totally. and, a, and a used Kleenex. How are you going to build a helicopter out of it? <laughs> That's fun. You know, you get to work within your, your range when you have those limitations. And so being clear with what you're trying to, to, like who you're trying to serve, what you're trying to do, that also cuts out all these like unnecessary questions that really don't need answering. So then when you get down to plan, you've got this crystal clear uh, commitment and saying, okay, I just need to solve the one problem that's right in front of me. And then once I solve that, I'll find the new problem because it's always, you know, another level, another devil, right? Mm. And mm. You, the new problems that come up, you're not going to be able to predict them from where you're at now. So trying to, it's actually kind of ridiculous because there's going to be an entirely different set of problems that emerge and you're going to be a totally different person by the time you get there. Mm. So that's where you just get churning your wheels and you're burning up energy rather than just moving in the direction that you're committed to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good. And it makes me think of, this will be my closing thought here. Aiden, prepare yours. Uh, what, I, what I thought was so interesting about the way you were talking about this, Joe, and the, and, and the language we've used throughout this conversation is there's this almost curiosity. Curiosity. Like, you can be curious. Like, nobody needs to learn how to be curious. That's a <laughs> thing that we can all kind of, Right. You can just, all right, if I was to be curious about someone right now, by the way, husbands, this is a little trick for you. If you want to be curious about your wife, for example, well, how would you do that? What would you discover if you did? Maybe is a better question. Like, what kinds of riches would you find there that you're currently totally oblivious to, right? So in the same way that we're, we would court a, a romantic partner with curiosity interest, engagement at certain levels that make sense over time. I think not only the, I think the business is business world is exactly that. That's how I see it. At least I see it as um, some might call it persuasion. I see it more as seduction. I see it more as seduction, which is like kind of reaching into and allowing that thing that's in them to come out. That's already in there. They already have this desire for this problem to be solved in their life. They already have this thing. And you, by being curious now, are able to really understand what that pain is, what that desire is, what that problem is. And then, by the way, the same process happens on the sales page and in the customer support and in once they buy the product, like what their onboarding sequence is, all this stuff. It is, it's that same sort of courting idea. And we do that 
by yeah okay listen some of you guys are out there thinking like yo i see like a like a like a babe who's like a 10 or like a seven or something like and i just get after it you know no i'm talking about something different (laughs) i'm talking about something different than that i'm talking about like this this like this is a worthy person like who's this who's this lady's dad (laughs) what's the deal this lady's strong like like she's gorgeous she's she's funny you get curious to see is there a there there Right. Who's behind those eyes? Like what kind of is there there some humor? Is there this, that and the other that curiosity about your customers or even just your potential customers will be worth so much money to you over time will be worth so much longevity in your business will be worth so many peaceful sleeping nights as opposed to stressy, you know, uh, anxious nights. Right. Why? Because when you start with them and you build it on a a solid foundation of like a very real desire that they have, then you will be able to make something of substance. But if you start with you and hope that it gets, you know, that it, that it reaches out to other people, that is also awesome. That's like being like, I see a lot of like web comic artists that are like that. And I love that I get to read a lot of my favorite writers are that right. I'm taking, I'm taking both Dan Brown's masterclass course and uh what, what's his name good omens neil gaiman mm. his masterclass course both of those are sensational you guys masterclasses literally i was made i had was the co-founder of fizzle when masterclass launched and i was like what in the world this is like the best version of fizzle i could have ever possibly imagined it's like <laughs> so much bigger than i could even than i could even see and there's not really a lot of entrepreneurship stuff in there at all and when there is entrepreneurship stuff there, it's not telling you how to grow your email list necessarily. It's not giving you the brass tacks that we, that we kind of need to and fizzle because these are the questions that people are having because we're yep. being curious about our audience, right? So this curiosity about the people, I mean, I know that you're going to resist with every fiber of your body to have customer, to take the customer conversations course inside fizzle. And to actually go have those conversations. You're going to resist it so much. I know. Me too. I see that hand. Right? So uh, I'm going to ask you to do it anyways. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? If you're committed to your business, right? If you're committed to the success, if you're what you're committed to cause here is not just finishing a good painting, um, which is a hell of a thing to do, but then to also get that painting out in front of people and have them experience it and interacting with it and engaging with it. Um, that is what I'm asking you to do is just go, all right, I'm going to take the customer conversations course and fizzle. Somehow this is related to planning and w- literally watch the scales fall from your own eyes. As you see, when this thing gets down to brass tacks and we tell you exactly how to find the people to talk to, what to say to them, et cetera. So it's, it's all like pretty cut and dry. Like you just follow the steps in the customer conversation course. And you can get that at fizzle.co says try five. That's five weeks for free. Tons of time for you to, to do that and finish it up. Uh, Aiden, what do you have for, for a closing thought here? Well, um, we didn't get into this too much and I don't think we needed to, but the last ingredient in this plan in this minimum viable plan. And again, let's make sure that we kind of clarify this. This is a stage in the roadmap that is before you've launched your business. It's before you actually have made any money. Um, so this is, you know, if you're beyond this, take some of this stuff, you know, abstract it and put it into your own um, equation. But um, hypothetically, this is a stage where you haven't done anything yet. 
you barely have an idea. You're vetting your idea through the lens of, is it a problem for my customers? Um, so the next thing there is, how am I going to approach this specifically through the lens of money? How am I going to make money? What am I going to sell? And how much money do I need to make uh, in order to what? What's the goal there? Am I trying mm -hmm. to supplement uh, uh, my day job? Am I trying to actually get to a tipping point where I can uh, get out of there? <laughs> Have I already left my day job and I'm trying to build my wings right now as I fall? Mm -hmm. um, so all of those things create very different scenarios and they're all they all require definitely some thought here. This is where you think about minimum viable income. What am I trying to make? What do I need to make? Um, and I don't know if Jeff Hellman is still a fizzler, but back when you guys were creating this course and this section of the roadmap, um, you guys borrowed this amazing minimum viable income calculator. And somehow we're going to put this in the show notes. I'm not sure if we're going to, you know, force an email address from you. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. it'll be worth it. But, um, it's a beautiful little thing. It's a couple different tiers. It's, you know, ideal, um, low end, and then ramen profitable, as you've, as you've probably heard on the show before. But this minimum viable income idea is really easy to start thinking about once you've figured out the problem, once you've gotten that curiosity framed yeah. from those conversations. And this is kind of the fun part. You know, it's, it's always fun to say, like, gosh, I only need to sell X amount of these things to X amount of people to actually have a business, you know? And a lot of people like to start out like, okay, I'm gonna strip down every expense. And um, because winning in my business doesn't look like a Ferrari. It just looks like me doing what I wanna do, serving a crowd of people I care about, right? Um, that's beautiful, you know? I wanna remind everybody that that's what we're here at Fizzle doing. We're not really teaching folks, consciously at least, how to, how to build results-oriented companies at all costs. Um, we are trying to help people find that thing that supports them and, and their, the people in their lives um, by serving and solving problems. And um, they've done it pretty successfully. <laughs> I'm an example of it. Joe's an example of it. Chase, you're an example of it. This is, uh, this is theory that works, but money's a big part of it. Solving a problem is a big part of it. And planning, at least some planning, um, is a big part of it. So that's all I got. All right. There you go, folks. That's episode 325 of The Fizzle Show. You can find all the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 325. We'll collect everything there for you. Fizzleshow.co slash 325. As always, fizzle.co slash try5 to get into Fizzle and get five weeks for free. Fizzle.co slash jumpstart to get the... Um, the super, the, the honestly, the hands-on stuff in that, if you're listening to that live, 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 live right now, then do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, if you're interested and if you've been waiting online for something like that to happen, because we did the, I mean, the, honestly, inside of Fizzle, the, the, if it only was the Fizzle Friday group coaching calls, it would definitely be worth it. If you just went, I'm going to make it to the, to the Fizzle Fridays. I'm going to do that. That's my mastermind group. That's, that's what, like, that's what I'm doing to keep myself accountable. And I'm going to show up on there and I'm going to ask questions about where I am and I'm going to get my feedback and I'm going to take off and go get to work. Right? I love that. I love people like that. All right, y'all. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye-bye.